Off the Hook, airing on OffTheHookSports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. The Off the Hook podcast at OffTheHookSports.com or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or wherever you go for your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Off the Hook with Dave Hooker starts now. Look at this. We're off and rolling on a football Friday. He is Amanda LaFrada. I'm Dave Hooker, and we've got a monster show to get to today. And we're going to visit with Jonathan Crompton, former Tennessee quarterback, Caleb Calhoun, our own incredible beat reporter for the Vols. And also, uh, we are going to uh, have a Maybe a little bit of Josh Ward. I think we'll throw some Josh Ward in there with the sports animal. So we're loaded for bear. If you have any questions for Caleb Calhoun, he's as dialed in as anybody I know. We're going to uh, get up with him here just momentarily. So if you got any questions about the matchup with Tennessee Pitt, what I need you to do is go ahead and put those in right now so that we can get to Caleb and we can get him some questions. I got plenty of questions. I'm sure you do too, but First, good morning to you. Uh, the Down and Dirty at 30 is brought to you good by... Good morning, Dave. Oh, good morning, Amanda. Sorry, how are you? Good morning. Have mercy. I know. How are you? Before the show, I love Fridays, and not because necessarily we, we get the day off because we work tomorrow. I don't. I just I love looking back on the week and what's happened and a lot of exciting things at Off the Hook Sports. So excited I didn't say hello to you. I know. I was just sitting here like... um. Hey, man, how are you this morning? Good? Yeah, I'm, I'm five o'clock production meeting got you. Uh, so we were in the yeah, we were in the 5 a.m. production meeting. Yeah. And Amanda, Amanda specifically said, sometimes you you get going too fast and you don't say hi to me. And I said, that's my bad. It's scatterbrained. And uh, so I violated the rule again. Slap on the hand. I apologize. It's going to get dirty. Down and Dirty at 30, brought to you by Big Orange Phillies. Big Orange Phillies, you're home for football this weekend. That's where you need to be. Kick it there the whole day, noon to midnight. Absolutely love it, and I promise you will. The fantastic wings, the fantastic food, they have it all at Big Orange Phillies. It's on Maynardville Pike. It is easy to find in North Knoxville, easy to get to from Halls or also Maynardable. So the down and dirty at 30, before we get to Caleb Calhoun, I want to run through this. Obviously the NFL starts last night. I know you were pretty tuned into the game. I passed out a little bit early, uh, but ultimately when you talk about uh, the the game last night, I thought uh, the bills were pretty darn impressive. Josh Allen is actually, I haven't told you this, probably my favorite player to watch in uh, the NFL. Um, Any quick thoughts on the game before we get to Caleb Calhoun? I mean, honestly, the first half was so sloppy. It was, it was terrible. I mean, the first half, the turnovers, I mean, just the back and the fourth. And I mean, it was 10 to 10 10 at halftime. So what it it tells me is that you go into, you know, you go into the locker room, the bills had an answer for everything. The Rams did not. So that to me is coaching. That's a coaching because clearly the Rams have the talent. I don't know why that would be the case, but the Bills coming, you know, 31, winning, I think 31 to 10 was the final. 
bad. 31 to 10 was the final. Yeah. And uh, scored zero points after the first half. How do you do that? I remember a lot of teams that got fat and happy after winning the Super Bowl. It doesn't happen as much now because we think of Tom Brady and the Patriots, but there were a lot of teams that that did that. And then uh, you have Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott saying that his cleats made his surgically repaired right ankle feel, quote, uncomfortable. You would think they would figure that out before practice. But let's go ahead and get to the balls. And it is Caleb Calhoun joining us now. And Caleb is just fantastic. You got to check out his coverage on offthehooksports.com. He will have a fantastic rapid reaction on the game Saturday. And uh, he's he's just sporting the most awesome beard ever. Good morning, Caleb. How are you, sir? Pretty good. How's it going, guys? Yeah, we're doing well. So let's dive right into it. Again, if anybody has any questions that you want to ask the group here, especially Caleb, who's incredibly dialed in with uh, Tennessee football, then go ahead and uh, do so. Go ahead and post on that message board, and we'll get you uh, involved and get your questions answered. But, Caleb, let's start with, uh, they, they call it the third phase of the game, and that is special teams. That's what you wrote about uh, last night or posted yesterday afternoon, I should say. And is this an advantage? Does Tennessee have an advantage in special teams over Pitt, or do you think maybe that's a one-up for Pitt? Your thoughts on the special teams matchup? Well, we we honestly don't know. Um, Pitt returns its – most most of the universe return game from last year, whereas Tennessee is still trying to figure out how to replace Velas Jones, who handled kickoff and punt returns last year, and was pretty elite on both. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read too much into the first game, but Jimmy Holiday, I actually do have faith in um, in the return game, but there was a huge miscue on one return. There was an illegal block that spotted Tennessee at the six yard line. We forget it because I think Tennessee went 94 yards and scored a touchdown on that drive anyway. But um, I think that we didn't see anything in terms of punt returns. Um, I don't think there was one punt that was returned. Last year, Trey Flowers backed up um, Velas Jones on the punt return unit and was never really that good. And Mike Eckler, the special teams coach, is still pretty cagey over who he wants to use a punt return. He said – on Wednesday, we've got a bunch of guys, D. Williams, Trey Flowers, Jimmy Holiday. But whenever someone says we have a bunch of guys, I don't know. Me just <laughs> dealing with interviews in the past, I, I take it as that means I haven't found somebody good at it yet. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers and the Atlanta Falcons didn't say we have a bunch of guys when they had Deion Sanders. Exactly. Yeah, they said we have Deion Sanders. <laughs> or the Bears with Devin Hester. They didn't say we have a bunch of guys. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, crazy, we're going to get right to it. Caleb just uh, – he wants a, a score prediction. We'll, we'll get to all that. Uh, hold on, crazy. I want to break down this game a little bit more. Uh, some other key aspects, uh, Caleb, and I'll just kind of let you take it. And I know Amanda's going to jump in here, but – Again, just what are what are two or three of the keys? I have mine, you have yours. What will determine who wins this game on Saturday in the Johnny Majors Classic? Well, I mean, I think the biggest one, and I mean, I hate to be cliche, I hate to do this, but it's going to be which quarterback plays better. You've got uh, Keaton Slovis was an all Pac-12 caliber quarterback before he transferred to Pitt and was really efficient in that first game against West Virginia. They didn't throw it as much as they did last year with Kenny Pickett, but he averaged – I think 12 and a half yards, uh, an attempt, um, 
threw a touchdown, no turnovers. Um, and obviously Hendon Hooker, we've been, you know, Tennessee fans have been making the case that he should be a dark horse Heisman candidate all off season. And I'm thinking if he was going to live up to that case, this is the game to do it. Um, you know, last year Hooker came in in the middle of the game, actually played relatively well until late in the game where there was that fourth and one red zone stop against Pitt. And I, I put a lot of that on him. He made the wrong read on a running play on that stop. And then he threw the interception. Um, I think, so I think, again, it's it, the, the biggest one is quarterback play. This is where if Hendon Hooker is going to have a Heisman case at all, this is the type of game where he's actually got to show up and, you know, put on one of his memorable performances. Um, I think another one is uh, the pass rush. You know, all the talk is about, I think it's overrated that Tennessee didn't get a sack against Ball State. I think if you really paid attention to Ball State's, to the flow of the game and how they called the game, the Vols did get pressure. The, the sack stat can kind of be overrated. Everybody talks about Pitt's pass rush. They did get five sacks on Tennessee last year. But, you know, they just gave up five sacks against West Virginia, too. Um, and despite what we saw from Tennessee against Ball State, we know they have good pass rushers. We know what Byron Young and Tyler Barron can do. Um, and I think Hooker's a, he seems to be a little bit better this year in terms of his pocket presence and getting rid of the ball. And Silva showed a lot of problems with that against West Virginia. So even though that would seem to favor Pitt, I actually think it's more of a, a toss-up who has a better pass rush in the game. Amanda, I, I know you were going to go. Can I ask one from the message board real quick that was a follow-up? John said, what will our defense have to do to get pressure on the quarterback? So that's what you were just talking about. Um, he said blitz Burrell since his coverage is suspect. I don't know they're going to run a corner blitz a lot. But I, I don't know that they're necessarily going to have to manufacture a pass rush with blitzing. I think they'll kind of fill it out in the first quarter. But you got to be kind of uh, selective, I, I would think, with your blitz packages. You don't want to get beat downfield. I agree. Um, I'm not so sure they're going to have to uh, dial up any blitz packages either for this pass rush. Um, you know, more than anything, I, I, again, I think part of it is Kieran Slovis was holding on to the ball too long at certain times. So, you know, you may not need to get to the quarterback that quickly in this game. And so, um, I, yeah, I. I'm, I'm with you. I think I would I, I would see how the flow of the game is with the first quarter, but I'm not so sure they would have to blitz. I want to defend Warren Burrell for a minute. Um, I think his I think his coverage is suspect when he's the number one cornerback. He was actually pretty solid most of last year when he was playing second fiddle to Alante Taylor. I think the problem is Tennessee has not found a number one cornerback this year, and that was that was again that was another one in the all season where they kept saying a bunch of guys a bunch of guys a bunch of guys which is again code for we don't have anybody yeah that's what it seems like that is always code for is that hey we have a bunch of guys that can do this meaning we don't have anyone that stands out that can actually exactly. do this exactly. so we know that Pitt has changed offensive coordinators we know that Signetti has come over um i think from boston college and then you have Whipple leave for Nebraska. How do you think that's going to be different for Tennessee? I think um, it's going to be a total clash of tempos. You know, last year with Whipple, they were, I think they ran, they actually ran more plays per game than Tennessee. They ran like 76 plays a game last year with uh, at Pitt. Um, this year, and I'm not so sure if it's the personnel change along with the offensive coordinator change, but 
you know, against West Virginia, they won the time of possession battle by about five minutes, and they ran only 62 plays. They only threw it 24 times. Um, and as we know, Tennessee and Heupel, they don't care at all about time of possession whatsoever. That is the most irrelevant fact. I think Heupel said at one point last year, it's a concern if they run too many plays to score a touchdown on offense. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Ball State at one point it was 31 to nothing, and Tennessee had the ball for 10 minutes. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. insane. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me, there was a year when the Colts had, it was one of the Peyton Manning years with the Colts, um, and he kind of switched up the offense depending on the personnel of the defense year over year. But there was, I think it was like 2009 when they started 14-0. They did not care about time of possession at all that year. And it was with Reggie Wayne and Pierre Garçon. And there was one game where they beat the Dolphins and they had the ball for like 14 minutes the whole game. <laughs> insane it's just shoot and score I mean that's pretty much all it is so do you see so you think Pitt is going to pretty much slow down on the offense like the offensive side of the ball compared to what they were last year I do I do I think they're going to slow the game down a lot more Um, as as far as the Tennessee's linebackers Jeremy Banks didn't really make a play a significant play in the opener and I, I thought was probably the the one guy that didn't show up I don't want to say show up as if he I mean he was there but it just didn't seem like he had an impact and then you have Jawan Mitchell who has uh, some sort of off-field issue that's being kept under wraps are you concerned about Tennessee's linebackers at all should that a lot of play action can they get caught up in space thoughts I mean yes uh, but that's more based on last year I'm not reading too much into the Ball State game um the biggest reason, yeah, Jeremy Banks didn't show up, but it, it just seemed, again, that seemed more of a schematic thing because, you know, Tennessee did hold Ball State to, what, under two yards of carry on the ground. Um, and they gave up some passes through the air um, in the intermediate passing game. And Jeremy Banks, it, the linebackers, all of them were an issue in coverage last year. So I think that's going to be an issue again um, in this game. Um, so in that regard, yes, it is a concern, but not so much because Jeremy Banks didn't make a play, more just that, I don't trust him or Aaron Beasley in coverage at all. And so, um, you know, Aaron Beasley did show up last game. He, Aaron Beasley is the reason for that first interception. You know, he got the pressure that forced it. Um, and so I still trust them on the pass rush and in terms of stopping the run. But, yeah, I, I didn't trust them going into the season in the intermediate passing game. I don't trust them now. Um, I think even Bryce Young last year had, like, 50 rushing yards against Tennessee, and Bryce Young doesn't run. So, I mean <laughs> – no, he didn't run last year. He's running more this year, and that is a, co- a concern, to be that honest. That is true. A big concern. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the running game, you said that Ball State had less than two yards per carry. Against West Virginia, I believe Pitt also had less than two yards per carry, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe that was backwards. But I believe that's the correct. You're right. It's um, right around there. Okay. So how do you see – Tennessee do you see Tennessee as being better than West Virginia on the front and if so how do you see them going to I know Pitt will go to the pass obviously how do you see Tennessee being able to defend that um well for the to the first question if if Tennessee can't dominate the running game in this one they're in trouble I mean I'm talking they need to win the rushing battle by like 150 yards um because not only did Pitt not run the ball well West Virginia ran it really well against them. I think they they had 190 yards, averaged almost six yards mm-hmm. a carry. 
Um, yes. So it, it, it's kind of, all, and I said this about Hypo last year, people think because of his tempo that he's all about, you know, throwing it all over the field. But Hypo really gets his offense going through his vertical run game more than anything else. Um, and it's, it's funny you mention that because he almost gets defensive sometimes in press conferences. You know, like he's a, a <laughs> like he's a uh, some sort of Mike Leach. Um, and love Mike Leach. I, I like Mike Leach a lot, and I, th- I think his offense is really fun. I like him on a personal level. But let's face it, he makes some bad decisions. He's kind of like the uh, Hal Mummy of your all's generation, I guess, if you remember that name going way back, head coach. He was Hal Mummy's offensive coordinator when they had Tim Couch. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, when I when I look at uh, Mike, Mike Leach, I think it's a little gimmicky. I don't to, – to what you said with the running game being so significant – I don't look at Heupel's offense as being gimmicky at all. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I think he, I, I think it's, I think because he spreads the ball, I, I think because he runs more spread formations and runs tempo, it seems a little gimmicky, but you're right. It's, I don't think it is either. Um, and the year he went undefeated at UCF in 2018, I think they, I think every three plays, they ran it twice and threw it once. I think they ran it 67% of the time that year. Um, and wow. so it's, it's kind of, it, or maybe it's, maybe it's, I'm sorry. I, I got that wrong for every, like they, they ran it thir- They ran it 45 times a game and threw it 30 times. I don't know the, how the math breaks down with that, but they, they ran it a lot more than they threw it. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, um, yeah, I think that's going to be the big one is they got to be able to establish the run, even though Pitt's going to be the one to try to play ball control. Tennessee is going to be the one that needs to run the ball. Um, and I do agree at that point, they're going to have to, um, I think Pitt's going to, like I said, they're going to use that intermediate passing game to bring balance and to be able to control the clock. And Tennessee's going to have to handle that. And that's, I think, the biggest concern because, again, against against Ball State even, you know, John Paddock, yeah, he threw two interceptions. But, you know, he had some, there were a couple of drives where he moved the ball a little bit against that secondary. So I don't think Tennessee secondary issues are solved from the uh, music city bowl. And I don't think their linebackers and coverage issue was solved from last year. All right, Caleb, you want to go with uh, today's tough question and it will be uh, score prediction choices that we can throw out there. Uh, If you can hang with us, we'll do that right now. Does that work for you? Yep. Sounds good. Love it. We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh my God. All righty, Amanda LaFrada, you said it how you would like, but based around what happens in the game, um, I would like to do this. I would like to set it up. Um, <clears throat> what do you think the, not what do you think the score will be, but how do you think Tennessee will do in the game, basically, against Pitt? And I would do, like, lo- loss by, you know, 10, and then loss by less than a touchdown, and then win by, you know, a touchdown and win by more than a touchdown. What do you think? I got – Oh, sorry. No, I, I think a good direction. That's okay. I think a good direction would be to go. How about Pitt uh, wins by ten, 
less than 10 or Tennessee wins by 10, less than 10? What do you think, Caleb? I got Tennessee wins less by 10. Um, I'm going to throw in, I don't think Tennessee covers. Um, okay. Six and a half? Yeah, the, the line six and a half. Yeah, I don't think they cover, but I think they win. Okay, so we'll break it up. Uh, Pitt wins by 10, Pitt wins by less than 10, and then same for Tennessee. So we'll get to our predictions a little bit later in the program. Amanda and I will, but we'll go ahead and throw that out there. So we want you to vote and uh, on that on our Twitter poll, and we certainly appreciate that. So, Caleb, look forward to uh, the game on Saturday. Your coverage is uh, always fantastic, and uh, I don't know if you got anything planned for today, but if you do, now's a good time to tease it. <laughs> <laughs> um that, you know, I kind of, I, I'm kind of keeping an ear to the streets on the news on what's happening. So uh, we'll see how it goes from there. I'm, I'm going to suspense. <laughs> he's, he's on top of it. Uh, Caleb's keys could be something. I think we just came up with Caleb's keys. It is inside of the K. What the, it, but alliteration? I like alliteration. Mm, alliteration. I like, I like, I like knowing the. You don't like the I, I like the I like the double letters. I don't like You don't like the cacophony of that alliteration? I don't. I just <laughs> like the double letters. Let's just do Caleb's catches or something of that nature. Caleb's a bit of a scribe. What did you think of the usage of the English language right there? Cacophony? You don't hear cacophony on the day. Yeah, no, I, I don't. You know, um, uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still committed to the Oxford comma as much as AP Cell has abandoned it. Me oh, too. My Thank God. you both. Yes. Amanda and I've had this conversation. <laughs> Let's not do it during the show. Have you seen those shirts though, Caleb? About like where it takes the Oxford comma out, and it's like a terrible ends up being a terrible thing. No, That's I need hilarious. to see that. You got to send that to me. <laughs> John said, "John said, like, Cal come on, Amanda, like Calvin Klein." Hey, yeah, but K C Kent. Oh, we don't want to look. Lafrada's locks, which are terrible, by the way. If you go against what I bet, then you will win. Like I was a hundred percent wrong, a hundred percent. But Lafrada's locks, LL. Fair enough, Caleb. Uh, we will look forward to your coverage and have a uh, fantastic rest of your day. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. Have a good one, guys. And Caleb Calvin, all on it for offthehooksports.com. Certainly check us out, and we would uh, appreciate that. It seems as if we have a little bit of a conversation going on on our message board that between perhaps a, a Pitt fan and some other people, uh, Christian. Hey, Christian, thanks for listening. So, Pitt physically dominated both fronts last year in Knoxville, but you guys think Tennessee is going to walk in and blow them out of their own field. Now, I don't want to share my prediction yet, but uh, no, I, I'm not discounting that at all. Um, I do think that ultimately Tennessee will win this game. I'm not afraid to share that at this point, but I don't think it's a gimme in any shape, form, or fashion. Especially, I thought it was – I thought it was – more of a surefire win before I saw Pitt. Not that they were fantastic, but just the fact that they, I thought Slovis played well. You know, I, I like, I'm a big fan of play action, even in this day and age that nobody runs that anymore. So, Amanda, the latest point spread was what, five, I believe? Is that, or did it move at all? 
thought it was six and a half. Six and a half? Okay, well. I can, I'll look that up. Um, but Pitt fans love me. They think that I am so knowledgeable and just great. Oh, and cool. the best thing are. ever. No, I'm kidding. They're terrible. Oh. They're mean. They are mean people. I told you to stop following those. Stop, stop. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, they are mean people. Yeah. Well, they live in an absolutely terrible city. That's so fair. Enjoy, enjoy that. That place is one big jump. Christian, no, I will not say that Tennessee's going to blow you away on your own field, but I will say that you need to move tomorrow because that place is a heck hole. I don't know. <laughs> Good news. It's like tunnels and stuff that go around town. I was, could not wait to get out of that place. Covered a quarterback camp. Couldn't drive out of there fast enough. My And my wife was there. She was the same way. She's like, let's get out of here as soon as we possibly can. Go. We got to go. I did cover the 13-year-old kid that Lane Kiffin offered. Do you even remember that story, by the way? Yes, I do. Uh, he definitely – he ended up playing receiver at West Virginia, even though he committed to Southern Cal. I don't know what's going on with that dude. But I, I wrote a story. That was the strangest thing. That dude was part – he was the son of a very, very rich person. And bear with me, and we're going to get to Josh Ward. But it, it – he was the son of a very, very rich person. So this person basically built a high school. Um, they had – 50 people enrolled. Every single one played football. And they had teachers that were certified. And they got treated like absolute kings. So yeah. it's like it's like uh, NBA in, in uh, Nashville. Montgomery Bell Academy. That's kind of how they are. But, but Lane Kiffin was looking at the long game here. I don't think he was after the kid. Think he yeah. might have been after the dad's money. Uh, maybe, or maybe he wants the kid to be a coach. But um, donations. I, yeah, that's a, that's a real possibility. But um, yeah, so I, I, you know, Christian's saying nobody likes driving in Pittsburgh. But after last year's game, I'll take Hines over Nealon any day of the week. Ooh, um, he just wow. on here to start something today. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'm here for it, man. Christian says uh, also that I think it's a close game. Also would not expect uh, 6-0 line and 35-plus carries. Look for Slovis to sling it around. I, I think they will. I, I mean, I, I think, but it's going to be based off play action. It's funny how we were talking a lot about quarterbacks, but both teams are actually based off of the running game, which I know uh, seems to throw people off when you say that, as Caleb alluded to about uh, Josh Heupel, but that ultimately is the case. So today's tough question is up on our Twitter feed. Please follow and go ahead and vote on that. We'll uh, give you a breakdown. So feel free to share with us too. In our message board, Tennessee wins by 10, less than 10. Pitt wins by 10 or less than 10. So it is, uh, the line is Tennessee is favored by six. Favored by six. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, also, we'll talk more SEC uh, football, as you can imagine. A big weekend on tap as uh, a lot of teams are getting real this week. And then, in just a matter of moments, we will be joined by former 
Tennessee quarterback Jonathan Crompton. So looking for that. Stay tuned. We're back in two minutes. Tell us about Big Orange Phillies, Mr. Biles. Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. This is Al's Dish Barbecue Supply, so come on in. See all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food. We'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, but Chattanooga goes to grill. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Yes, it certainly is. Jonathan Crompton to join us shortly as, uh, man, you know, get fired up on the message board. It's absolutely just, uh, man. Christian says, best uniform game of the week for sure. He's a pit fan. Did you like the icy? They called them icy, which is a, a marketing term for please buy this. Um, but the <laughs> icy jerseys is what they call them in the release. They're white on white. Uh, you're, you're probably look pretty cool, um, you know, with the orange detail. But um, I liked it. What did you think? That's cool. I mean, that's cool. Did you see that uh, the NIL partnership with like Fanatics and some of the teams now? Oh, yeah, where I, you can- I send it to you. Yeah, where you can get the jersey with the name of the player, like. Bryce Young is one of them. I'm not sure who all is in that NIL deal, but I'd have to say Hendon Hooker has to be in there. I mean, you can yeah, have to uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I will be honest with you. I'm not a big uniform guy. There, there were times, and I know people are would think I'm absolutely crazy, but I had to actually think um, at one point if Tennessee wore orange at home or away. And I know that sounds insane, but I know I basketball's just, opposite, or is it basketball? No, it's baseball. Baseball's opposite. So, um, yeah, it uh, mm-hmm. baseball is is opposite. But um, yeah, I just don't, they don't register with me. Neither do neither do numbers either. Like the people I covered, like the jersey numbers, I just see their body types when I cover them and get to know them, and 
and and really like right now, I mean, we have we we work with Jacob Warren and we work with Cooper Mays. I couldn't hundred percent tell you what jersey number they are. And when I talk to him every week, it's just I don't know. It's uh it's just kind of how I'm wired. So we had an opportunity. We're gonna link up with Jonathan Crompton here momentarily, and we had an opportunity to visit with Josh Ward of the sports animal and uh josh gave us a little bit of insight is tennessee the third best team in the sec could make that argument here's uh josh ward his appearance brought to you by zool beer company that's zoolbeer.com zool beer company has worldwide award-winning craft beer the official craft beer of off the hook sports and they've also got the beer ice cream or is it the ice cream beer how do no beer ice cream beer ice cream okay yes it's not an ice cream that's made into a beer it's beer that's made into ice cream okay sometimes i need like that background knowledge and now i'll remember it so here's yeah. uh the one the only josh ward tennessee, tennessee i was going through a list that somebody put out and goodness gracious i don't want any more list that's the summer okay I, i'm done with the list but mm, there was yeah. one that came out after week one that I found intriguing that had, I remember where they had Tennessee in the list, but I could make a strong argument that Tennessee's the third best team in the SEC. I don't know if they are, but I could make that argument. Is that insane? No, well, it's not insane. Um, the, the, I think the argument would be, well, the offense could be so good that that will vault Tennessee to that position. I would not have Tennessee there. It's only one week of football. Uh, I would I would almost disqualify Tennessee. There are a few schools that I would disqualify just based on who they played or like in LSU's case losing. They're obviously not going to qualify for that position. Uh Florida, I'm I moved up in my own personal ranking that we did on our radio show this week just because I saw them beat a team that's ranked in the top 10. I know it's a preseason ranking, but uh it's not like Utah's a chump team. That's a that's a solid team that's well coached and that's an impressive win for Florida. There's no argument otherwise. So Alabama and Georgia are obviously uh, the top two. You choose the order. It's really more of a one A one B. But there are several teams. I think Arkansas, Texas A and M, uh, Florida, and you know Tennessee. You can throw into the conversation, but I need to see Tennessee against Pitt, and I, I need to see Tennessee beat a quality team before I'm ready to say that the team that went seven and five, seven and six with the bowl loss is now the third best team with questions that just haven't had a chance to be answered yet. Answer some questions against Pitt, get a nice win on the road, and I think the conversation becomes a lot more real. But Florida beating Utah, Arkansas beating Cincinnati, and, and what Sam Pittman's done there, I w- and then Texas A&M's, it's really about the roster. I mean, quarterback's a real question. That's a real question for Texas A&M still. But the roster, they're so loaded, they, to me, have to be a part of that conversation too. Josh, I'm about, um, I think, about three years older than you. Is that right? Uh, three times a certain number, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so my main memory was uh, growing up was a Johnny Majors walking the sideline. And my main memory on Sunday mornings was just the most awesome coaches show in the history of man mm-hmm. with John Ward, no relation. <laughs> but I, I just – it was just fantastic. I'm curious being – you are uh, a little over a decade younger than me. What are your mem- what are your memories of of Johnny Majors? Because at the time that you were really into football, you probably saw some of Majors, but you saw the transition, and Fulmer was probably mm-hmm. the guy at your age. Am I right? Yeah, those are probably my strongest memories. Is around that time uh, the transition, and and I was still younger, so 
not knowing some of the stories that I'm well aware of now from that transition. But uh, yeah, in, in terms of that time watching uh, the, the transition and you know, to me, I'm sure it was just a natural transition of, okay, here's this assistant that's taking over and he's a former Tennessee player himself. And, you know, what did I know? Uh, so Heath Schuler and, and how great he was as a quarterback at, at Tennessee. And then, of course, what happened after that, the memories get a lot stronger of following. But, um, yeah, so I was born in 85. So uh, in that time, I'm in the, the seven, eight-year-old range. And I did have the the great fortune of getting to know Johnny Majors a little bit, uh, worked with him some, and he did some some work with our radio station. So I, I, I had the great fortune. I mean that to be around him uh, in later years. And I just, I loved him. I thought Johnny Majors was great. No, no he, was a, he certainly was. And we're going to get to Jonathan Crompton right now. We appreciate Josh Ward again, brought to you by Zool Beer Company. And uh, we certainly appreciate uh, this guy who we've got a bit of a history. Um, yeah, there he is. Uh, Jonathan Crompton joins us now. Jonathan, look at him with his picture in the back. Hey, is that hey. Washington in the back? Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. I can't really see though. I got. I see you, but who's the other player? That, that one's Arian. I've got a few others around this uh, office. I've got more at home. Um, typically, I'll be doing this at home, but uh, sure, they're just they're just scattered all over the place. Do you talk to Arian much anymore? Yeah, I haven't talked to Arian in a long time. Um, kind of one of those things that life kind of gets in the way. You know what I mean? Just especially from that era when you're a uh, teenager, young, you know, a young adult thinking you're grown, but you're really not. Last you know, time, and kind of didn't grow up. Life gets in the way. And last I spoke to Arian, I got a text mex- a, a text out of nowhere, text message out of nowhere. And he said, hey, this is Arian Foster. I want to be on your show. And I was like, well, that's random. I didn't even have his number. I didn't even believe it was him. So I uh, didn't even call him. I said, yeah, sure. And so we got him on. And he sa- I said, uh, so how are, how are things uh, going there for you in the NFL? And he said, uh he goes, no, there's something else I want to talk about. And I was like, what? And he said, well, you, uh, I've heard you've been talking trash about me, which I tell the truth, John, but you know me, I don't talk trash, okay? And it, which was, to, it was totally untrue. I was doing the show with Terry Fair, and Terry Fair backed me. Oh. But before it got to that point, he said, so I've got an idea. And I'm like, uh oh. And he oh, goes, Lord. he goes, how about we go to a boxing match and we, uh, we work things out? And uh, John, I think okay. I can, I think I can handle myself against most people, but I'm not pretending to handle myself against a Division One athlete, in particular him. Well, you I, know what's funny? What? It makes a lot of sense because I don't know if our coaches really knew this. I didn't partake. We'll just say that. But there were some guys that were just they were like, "Yep, we're going to have a boxing match here in the locker room. We're going to do the damn thing." Fight club. Like, you know, it like and just. Put the gloves on. Kind of, I don't know if it was like I said. I didn't partake. I don't know how long it actually, like how many years it actually happened. So it makes sense. Wow, I would have really uh, gotten my rear beat. Like, yeah, really? and, uh, I, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it only happened like a few times. The first, like, like oh five, oh six, maybe. Um, but yeah, so 
right. Makes sense. Yep. He wanted to beat me up. Not the first. Um, (laughs) You know, it's it's that saying, not the first, won't be the last. You know what I mean? That's just, that's life. That's how we all are. Trust me. I'm in the same boat, Dave. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I've had John Chavis charge at me. So, I mean, there's been a lot of things that have happened during some tough years, but Jonathan, let's talk about now. Um, I'm curious what you thought of, of Tennessee in, in the opener. Um, and then let's spin it forward to what you think about uh, Pitt. Just wide open your yeah. thoughts. Take it where you wish. Cool. All right. Well, um, opener went kind of as expected. I mean, you know, the Ball State, they came out knowing we were the better team. Let's call it like it is. Um, this time last year, we wouldn't – I don't think we would have expected – that performance, you know, because we didn't know what to expect. Uh, so I, I think for the most part, we played really well. What was it, 38 at half? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even with the sometimes not so great play, I don't care who you are, you're going to take 38 points at half. You know what I mean? Like it's – so for everybody that's like, oh, well, we should have done this, we should have done this, dude, it's 38 points at halftime. Like that's – there's always going to be something to correct. So I think we played – well for game one and I did say last week um, during the uh, the either the halftime or post game show I totally agree with I was flipped back and forth between the pit game if Pitt and West Virginia and timeouts and commercials and one of the announcers for the pit West Virginia game was like you know what I love about college football there's no preseason game week one is your let's roll it out there and see how we play I love that personally I think that's great um especially if you play a bigger opponent week one or week two, you're getting the kinks out. So week one was, as we expected, fast pace. Um, you know, I would say we had a little too many errant throws versus false starts. Because in this offense, we know we're going to get false starts. We play so fast. So the the throws that were high are a carryover from last year. But that's also, and I've been very open about it, I don't think that is necessarily on Hendon. I think that is the uh, mechanics that they're making him and all the quarterbacks have with their feet. That's a whole different, that's a whole different conversation, though. That's why those throws are going high is because of the things that they're having to do. And if you watch any quarterback goes into play, they all have the same – when we, we get to a certain base width and we don't move our feet. That's how they teach it. Um, so that, you know, that's, I don't necessarily agree with it, but there's, you know, doesn't mean that I'm right. Let me, let me ask you this. That's a, I, I'll watch for that on Saturday. That's really awesome insight. Um, so let me ask you this, as far as getting the ball out quick enough, do you, did, I know it's ball state, so bear with me, but did you see the ball coming out quicker because there, there were issues with that last year I thought yes but that is the system that we play in in the sense of almost every route hit is a read route or an option route like the um, first play we threw what's called a wheel stop running a, an out and up and he stops about 12 yards that is a read if the corner's deep you stop if, if you're the old cliche if you're even you're leaving so if he's even with the defensive back He's running. So there's a lot of plays in this playbook that are option-type reads. 
that if you have to, one, make sure you know where they're going first before you throw. So there, it is, there are going to be times that it looks like, oh, the ball's not coming out as quick as it should, blah, blah, blah. Well, because when the bullets are firing and you've got a dude in front of you and 300-pounders trying to hit you, you've still got to be able to make sure you find that window in the pocket to understand where your guy's going to run because it's not just a 10 and in. It could be a 10 and in. It could be a seam. It could be a 10 and out. Right? So those are – but that's also the beauty of this offense. It's hard for the defense to be right. Yeah. I mean, it's – that's – the defense definitely has – Pitt's defense definitely has a game on its hands with Hendon Hooker and, and with Jabari Small and, and the dynamic offense that Tennessee brings. So you are obviously former quarterback. You've played this game at a high level. And all of us up here, media-wise, for the most part, all we can do is guess and observe and analyze and, and all of that. I want to get your opinion. What is – if you're looking at one specific position in this game, both offensive, defensive, what position are you looking at or what – person are you looking at specifically to make a big impact uh running back group i like and by the way to kind of go about what you said about guessing i promise you don't let anybody fool you 99 percent of even former players it's a very educated guess you know what i mean it's just <laughs> if we're not in the meeting room i'm going off of just what i know about certain things about football but and people try to say oh well, you're not there you're right i'm not there but neither are you, you know, like being funny. Like, so you're, yes, we all are guessing in a sense. And I think you guys have done a tremendous job. Let me just say that. But uh, I'm going to go running back group just because I think for us, I'm not saying underrated, but underproven because they haven't had the chance to really prove it yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's mm-hmm. one of those that I think watching them last week, I think we have, two, but possibly three running backs that you go, you know what? All three of you can stay fresh. We don't have to go 90 plays with the same guy. You're not the Derrick Henry type. We're just going to pound you and bruise you and then break one. We can just rotate them in every two plays and say, these guys are like track stars now. That's what I'm really intrigued about because we play so fast. It, you know, watch watch the running backs last week. It was funny. Uh, might have been small. I can't remember exactly. After like four plays, get me out, get me out, get me out because we're going right. And it was four. It was like four straight run plays. That's a beauty, a beautiful thing for them to say. I don't have to play fifteen straight. I got another dude that can play right behind me that's just as good that can help this team. So I think running backs this week could be a difference maker for us. Yeah. One of the- yeah, I saw Hooker last week, a, a different Hooker. Sounds weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, honestly, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> it, was one of, it sounded different in my head. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I heard that one now. I heard that when it came out. Uh, yep, but, yep. You know, with inflation, sometimes you have to make business decisions. Um, Hard pass. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> so um, I, I saw a different Hendon last week that was – more composed and uh as opposed to last year when he's kind of thrown in there and then suddenly he is the starter uh and i'm i'm curious if you saw that and if there was a moment i think i know when it might be or a game in which you felt composed in particular your senior year where you felt 
comfortable. Because there's something to be said for going into a game feeling comfortable, right? Yeah. Um, there's a saying playing quarterback, or really by football, but especially quarterback, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that is a really uh, oxymoron, you know, statement. Like, there's how are you how are you going to be comfortable not knowing? Because what I tell the kids I work with all the time, they're allowed to game plan too. So we have to try to prepare for everything, and you physically cannot. So the best to me, the the most comfortable time is when you know you've got all your guys healthy, or depending on the time of season, healthy for the set game, and everybody's on the same page. Um, hard part is when you you know when you're changing systems every year, it's very hard for every school to do that. Um, that's what I give, you know. Like, for instance, New England, I give them credit. When they change the coordinator, you learn my system. That simple, right? Whoever the coordinator is, is going to learn the New England system, right? It's going to be the same formation, called the same things. There'll be a couple tweaks. We didn't have that. It was whoever came in, we learned their system. And that that does make it tougher for because everybody learns at a different level. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's one of the beauties of football. Um that you get is so many different guys from different backgrounds and parts of the country. And, but that's also the downsides of football, downside of football. When you do change systems so often, if a system doesn't fit somebody's eye or, you know, if their brain doesn't want to learn the way that they want to, or the coach doesn't like to teach the way he said kids, you know, kids learn, it does make it difficult. So that would probably be the most, the time I felt comfortable the most was when everybody was healthy finally about halfway through that season because we had about three or four starting receivers out the first four or five games. Well, and, and, the, and the big one was the, the Georgia game uh, played incredibly well. Was was that the moment or was there even a time before that that you felt comfortable um, and maybe the results weren't there? Well, no, I mean, the, I felt comfortable in the system because it was finally a system that was quarterback friendly and allowed you to if you if you had, and this is how I, I teach and coach, Steve Young said it best. Excuse me. Coaching is the ultimate suggestion. And I say that meaning it's very easy for me as a high school offense coordinator to sit in the box and go, yep, you should have thrown the ball there. He's wide open. That's our read. Well, I don't know. I do, but it, for this kid, don't know what it's like for you know, hypothetically, the right guard completely whiffs or the running back forgets he's in protection and they blitz off the edge. That dude coming out of just scot-free in your face. Sometimes coaching is a great suggestion, but it's not a dictatorship. And that's where some, to me, and it is an opinion, an opinion only. That's where I think some coaches get it wrong. It's if you don't do it my way, it's the highway. Times have changed, Right. If you look at the athlete now, and I will go to my grave thinking this, don't get me wrong, there were some phenomenal athletes, you know, back in the day. The athlete has developed in such an astronomical way that it is kind of freaky watching some of these athletes in every sport play going, what the hell did you eat growing up? You know what I'm saying? Like, really? And it's just, it's just different. It's not, you know, 1985 anymore with the Chicago Bears. 
downhill blood running out of your nose and we're wearing neck rolls and blah, blah, blah. It is totally different. So times have changed. you got to adjust if you want to be a good coach. And that's where that that system with with Lane. And now, he, and the thing is, he's even changed that system since I was with him. Yeah, times have changed. You know, times have changed. He's evolved to where it was so quarterback friendly that if you saw something and you told him, "Well, this is why I did it because I saw this," and you had an actual explanation, he would go, "Okay, all right. So let's let's think this then. Let's go this route the rest of the game because if that's what you're seeing." Because you're the one on the field doing it, not from a skybox. Right. Ooh, I remember the Lane Kiffin era. That was that was a good time, wasn't it? It, it was and, and, <laughs> until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. It was, <laughs> yeah, right. great. it was great until it was not great. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about the coaches, like you brought up Lane Kiffin and you brought up how um, the games have changed or the game has changed and the coaching has changed with it and evolved. How do you think Hypel is doing at Tennessee regarding the, the coaching change and, and doing what you're talking about evolving with the game? Oh, he's, I'm not going to say the, but one of the best, even before he's at Tennessee, in doing that, if you watch where he's at with Missouri and then UCF, players want to play for him. And in today's day and age, if the players don't want to play for you, they're not going to perform. Right? Nick Saban might be the one of the only ones left that is like old school, hard nosed. Well, you know, I'm just going to rip your rear end. Don't care. Bench you no matter what, blah, blah, blah. But that's because they also know that if you go to Alabama and you're halfway decent, you're still going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I don't know. Honestly, I think that might have something to do with just his reputation in the NFL as well. But I think Heupel has got everywhere he's been so far as a coordinator, head coach. He's got these kids wanting to play for him. You know, you do things in the summertime. And, we, you know, we would everybody would kind of do it back then, but it wouldn't be as, I'm not going to say as often, but like it almost still seemed like it was conditioning drill rather than, dude, we're going to play kickball today. You have busted your rear end for X amount of straight days. We're going to play kickball and let you understand we know your kids. We're going to go to the baseball field and we're going to have a softball game. Things like that. Everybody used to do the one night during camp of bowling. That is one night for the whole month that you, it was keyword night that you still had the whole day worth of work, right? And so don't get me wrong. It was very exciting. Everybody was like, yeah, we don't have night meetings, blah, blah, blah. But it's, once again, times have changed. You've got to find, you got to get creative on how do you want these kids, and especially in today's world of transport portal, you got to get these kids to want to stay and or get the kids to want to come to you. And if you look at it, we've done a pretty damn good job at that since he's been here. And I, I, I would, I'd, I'd play for him if I was coming out of high school. That's, that's probably, it's, you bring that up and I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I think the two biggest factors, Jonathan, are that you named one of them. And the other is, I do think schematically he's ahead of the vast majority of coaches in college football. Would you agree with that? Yes, but I've been very honest and public about this. I do have an issue, not with Tennessee, but with like certain systems. Sure. Auburn, you know, 
they Oklahoma. run Well, I understand yeah. Auburn. They run they run like eighteen tight ends out onto the field. Well, or let me take it back. Old Auburn, I guess now UCF. Okay, okay. Because I, honestly, I don't watch Auburn. I don't like Auburn, so I don't watch them. I don't know um, anybody that does. Right, you know who doesn't like? I don't even. I don't think they. I don't think they like themselves. You know. No, I think who doesn't like Auburn the most is Brian Harson, their head coach. Probably not. You're right on that. I don't. I don't know. I. I pretty. I. I'm right. Probably right there with him. I do not like them. <laughs> So, you know, yeah, go, go back to those. With, with, the, with those systems, though, like, you know, Oregon or now technically kind of Miami, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, like Texas Tech, all these types of systems, not their system is not like Mississippi State's air raid system. Their systems are Clemson, North Carolina, right? It just keeps going on and on. They're. I have an issue with it from the quarterback stance of you're not really taught how to play quarterback. It's, hey, so-and-so's going to be open. You're throwing him the ball. Like, you're just throwing the ball. Oh, why are we – what are we doing to scheme this route, though? What are we doing to set this play up? And that's where I go with, like, with Lane, his system has changed. And it looks like a lot of that fast-paced, we're going – you know, four or five wide, and it looks like those systems. But Lane schemes it to where you understand why we're running the play and how we're trying to attack said play. A lot of those schools don't. That is my issue. So I say that with, like, Tennessee, with Hypo and these guys, at least they do seem to do a good job of, like, Lane going, we're running this play, here's what we're trying to look at, not just throw the ball over there. You know what I mean? So I, I think he is ahead of the game in that sense. Um, and it also, to me, comes from a background of playing quarterback, understanding what it's like to be back there and the coach not giving you any insight. And you go, I'm winging it, right? I, don't, I, have, I just got to be a ball player here. That is a very bad feeling. Yeah. I had somebody bring something up to me, and I'm going to throw this at you, Jonathan. I'll, I'll, I'll let you get out of here. Um First, though, tell me about what all you're doing in your quarterback camp, if, if you can, and how people can is, – is there a way to get a hold of you? Because you're making good players great and great players elite. So how, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, well, I mean, um, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm the worst at social media. Like, I don't hide it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. They can, there's... they can email me at dave at offthehooksports.com, and I'll get – if you have a young man, I'm working on it. I'm yeah. we'll just say this. I'm trying. I am the I'm, younger generation Nick Saban of like, I don't even, I hate checking emails, but I have to. I just, I don't like it. Um, that's a personal issue that I have to get over. Well, I'm, 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 I'm we're, we're going to get there. We're going to work together after three years of uh, working in digital marketing. I think I can help you. But, um, yes. John, I want to get back to as far as you talk about Hypo's offense. Here is my theory, and like I always say, tell me if I'm crazy, okay, because you know more about ball than I do. So I think this offense right now is almost like an, an option offense 15, 20 years ago, like a triple option that you have, that is tough to prepare for a week of, and it helps you overcome deficiencies in your roster, which I don't think they have the same talent of an Alabama-Georgia. But I think the evolution, not yet. right? Not yet, right? 
I think the evolution of that is when the talent's a little bit closer, you're going to have to be able to hold on to the football, have four-minute drives so your defense rests, and play complementary football. Yeah, we're not going to do that. You don't think they'll, you don't think they'll ever do that? <laughs> not in this system, and it's the, the feast or famine, and that's where – but here's the thing. They also – when they're recruiting these defensive players – you got to be up front and say, hey, by the way, you're probably going to play 90 plays a game. <laughs> Point blank, we're going to get you in shape. Because, like he said, I mean, we, it's fourth and six inches. We're going to stay in the shotgun. We don't care. That's the system. That is the, that's the flaw of the system. But that's the system. And, you know, we're not built to do, you know, minute 59 left to go. We're up by, you know, two on the minus 20 and they got one timeout to kill the clock. We're just, that's not, we're, we're still trying to roll that. Do you practice it? Yes. But when the game comes, your players are not built for that in this system. Jonathan, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. I, I, I think we should, but I'm, you know, pretty open about this and the mindset of a coach like this. And I love it. It's like the race to 60 points. First one to 60 wins. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of like in backyard football, you know, or, or, you know, basketball, make it, take it, right. You hit a home run and wolf a ball in the backyard. You're still up that type of stuff. Um, that's, that's just what we're going to do. I, I hope we evolve into that. I just don't know how well we'll do that because we're built to be track stars. We don't, we're not, this system is not built to have Derrick Henry's downhill hold the clock. It is rotate them in and out and let's just ride. Yeah. Jonathan, great stuff. Um, your academy, if anybody wants to uh, get up with uh, Jonathan, you can email me at davidoffthogsports.com. And again, he's doing a fantastic job. I also encourage you to check out uh, Crompton Automotive for those that might be watching in the uh, Waynesville area there in North Carolina and near Na- uh, Asheville. So, Jonathan, have a great weekend. Enjoy ball, man. We appreciate the time. I appreciate it. Y'all have a great one. Thanks, man. Thank it will be interesting you know, to see if that's the next evolution, Amanda, to see if Josh Heupel has a moment that, and he may not, Jonathan could be 100% right, but if he has a moment where he says, I feel like the talent's pretty close here, and I can run a four-minute drill. Can he win a national championship without ever having that? I don't I think, think he can. can. I think he can. I, I don't. I, I don't think you can. I don't think this is sustainable um, in terms of wins and losses and never having a four-minute type of offense. I just – I may be wrong. I mean, football has changed to the point I may be wrong. That's the thing is that football is constantly evolving. And if you, you know, as we talked about it, if you had said 10 years ago that this is the type of offense that was going to win ball games, that, you know, Nick Saban was going to, was going to turn to a hurry up, kind of pass the ball down the field and not ground and pound, you would, you would immediately have said, you're crazy. That's there's no way if you said that defenses were going to give up 500 yards and still win a game, 
you would have said, no, there's no way that's not going to happen. Football's constantly evolving. It, I mean, it is. So with that being said, it looks like the style of offense that Heupel's running is really the style that's getting it done. I mean, that's winning, winning ball games. So I, I think that whatever he's doing now is fine. I think he can win a championship like that. I don't see why he couldn't. I, I just think at some point you would want to slow it down when you have a big lead. I think there's going to be, if you keep running that top of offense, there, there could be, a, there could be some games slip away from you, but yeah, I, I don't know. We're we're in a new and different age, and again, the not to get too intricate, but some of the rules of college football, as far as uh, some of the RPO stuff, where guys can be offensive linemen can be five yards down the field. I mean, it, that that's you're supposed to stay within three yards, and in the NFL, you'll notice a big difference if you watch the line of scrimmage. So m- maybe you can win with this style. Um, maybe you can win at the championship level. Uh, I think we'll see. I tell you, at championship level honeybee coffee why is it so good amanda because it tastes so darn good yeah it just tastes good i mean honestly it just it just it's just good coffee i mean at the end of the day it's not about you know you can look at the the veteran owned stuff you can look at the the quality of the beans and and everything else but if it doesn't taste good it doesn't taste good honeybee tastes good it's great. Like I wake up in the morning and the first thing I don't do it, my husband does it. He grounds the coffee and he makes it for me. I can't like, you can tell a difference when I have my coffee and when I don't clear yeah. difference. Must've kicked in. Cause uh, Amanda's throwing heat today and a couple of other mm-hmm. comments uh, from um, Christian saying, grinding out the clock is important. Uh, back to our game this weekend. There was uh, plenty of clock after Hill's pick last year, grinding four minutes off the clock. Let us keep the ball away. Um, I think you need some of that. How much, I think, is probably the discussion that we should be having. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that they need to come out and run it down to one second um, on the play clock. I don't, I don't think that at all. But I do think that there's a happy medium when you have the lead in the second half. So, um, ultimately... We are going to come up with some uh, picks for the SEC games. We are also going to have message board bingo. So we're uh, loaded up this day in sports history as well. Remind you to stop by Owl's Nest Barbecue. Owl's Nest Barbecue is fantastic. Uh, They have all of your barbecue supplies, whether you need the pellets, whether you need the uh, wood chips, whether you need whatever you need. It's right there. The sauces, the rubs, it's absolutely fantastic so we're going to break down the sec slate coming up here momentarily stay tuned she's amanda lafrada i'm dave hooker again we are back back in just uh two minutes Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in east tennessee for 27 years in that time i've come to realize it's not about the car it's about you the customer so i'm here to take care of you just like family Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. 
Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct Service Station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. What? Do what? Let the dogs out. You know what? Ooh, let the dogs out. Ooh, ooh. Off the Hook. Airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Boy, what a conversation we're getting into in the message board there. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I don't, people, I don't think people like my take on I'm not saying slow it down if people talk about Steve Spurrier. Steve Spurrier would run the ball in the second half. He would get the lead and then they would run the ball. Now Steve Spurrier he was too committed to the pass. He should, he, he could have won more championships. But I mean that, yeah, it's a pretty good running back there. I mean Eric Brett with nothing. I mean they 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 had a running attack. I, I think that I think that is forgotten too many times. I think it's forgotten about Josh Heifel's offense. We're not talking about whether or not they run the ball. We're talking about whether or not they you gotta think long term. I'm not talking about that game, but if you have a twenty point lead in the third quarter, you start to run some four minute offense and slow stuff down. Well, your players are out there less, so they're probably gonna be healthier throughout the season. Your defensive players I'm talking about. And I, that, that I believe that's the way you want to get. I, I would do that. That would be my direction. But I think it's uh, safe to say that Josh Heifel knows more about football than me. I do know that when my dog gets a little antsy and it's when there's a storm or when there's fireworks. Someone shot fireworks on Labor Day. Does anybody else do that? Um, yes, yeah, somebody did. And I was like, stop it. Yeah. July 4th is your day. That's all you get. Yes. Stop it. Maybe, Memorial Day, maybe none of that. Maybe New Year's Eve. Maybe. Only if you are qualified to shoot the big fireworks and there's a bunch of people like gathered at some kind of party, 
do you get that opportunity? If not, for the love of everything that is holy, stop shooting fireworks off on random holidays, especially like Veterans Day. Seriously? Yeah, that you, that's like the opposite of what you should be doing. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's not good for our pets. Our pets depend on not being anxious. And that's why they depend on craft treats because uh, craft treats has the uh, full spectrum CBD treats that contains minor cannabinoids that increase the benefits of CBD for situational anxiety. And uh, it's absolutely awesome. Also for your elderly dogs that may have uh, a little bit of arthritis. So, I mean, that does happen. And uh, Amanda, so let's go ahead and uh, take a look at uh, the SEC slate. So we will have our Tennessee pick here in just a moment, but we do want to go through uh, the SEC slate and uh, we're going to, are you going to pick against the spread uh, right now? Or are you just going to uh, share your picks as a whole? Or I know that they're, your picks are up on offthehooksports.com every Saturday morning. Are, are, are you actually going to share those now or how are we doing this? Um, I'll just, I'll do general, like what I think is going to happen. And then if you're out there, just bet against whatever I said. No, don't say that. You're going to have a great week. I believe in you. I, I tell I you, don't what, know. I tell you what I'll do. Uh, okay. And I'm not joking about this. I will put uh, $100 on every game you pick. And I, I do not gamble. I haven't gambled since I was in college. But that's what I'll do. So no pressure. I'm <laughs> picking zero games. Zero uh, today. <laughs> Check's going to bounce next month. Uh, noon, Alabama host Texas. A 20-point spread. And uh, there's no Arch Manning there yet. So your, your your thoughts on this game as we take a look at the SEC schedule? I think Alabama is, is dominant. I think they're a dominant team this year. It seems like they have every, every aspect covered. I think Quinn Ewers is going to have a tough time against the likes of Will Anderson, especially if he gets through that line. That's going to be a problem for Ewers. And Ewers. so – Yours, I barely knew her. Okay. We'll continue on. Um, 20 points is a big, a big, big feat. I I just, I think Alabama can do it. I really do. I think they win by 21. All right. Now, I thought you weren't going to give your picks. You're teasing them to the side. Okay. No, I said I was going to give a general, like, idea. I don't know. Beautiful. All right, South Carolina at Arkansas. I'm gonna go ahead and share with you first with the Alabama game. I I think they cover um, as well. I think they're two teams that roster wise are just completely different, and that's not going to change uh, before Saturday. So, and then we move on to South Carolina at Arkansas. Uh, I, I really believe that this will be the game where, and I we'll see. But I think this will be the game where South Carolina uh, it lives down to the hype. Uh, I think a lot of people got excited about them. I think that this is a game Arkansas wins. Um, and uh, I think it's an eight-and-a-half-point spread. Arkansas is favored by eight-and-a-half. I'm not going to really necessarily pick against the number, but I think it is a game they win. Um, 
by a touchdown or so. I don't, you know, I think it's a game that they probably have in hand, but you know, we'll see. Um, your I'm thoughts? calling the upset. Calling the upset. All right. Calling the upset. I think South Carolina is going to beat Arkansas. All right. Wake at Vanderbilt as, uh, oh, let's just move on. Missouri at Kansas. No, wait. Wake at Vanderbilt. Oh, Missouri at Kansas State. Oh, it's just... uh, I have to wear a Vanderbilt something if Vandy pulls that off. Oh, if Vanderbilt beats Wake. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Okay. Yes. Um. Yeah, okay. Well, let's see what happens there. Um. Missouri at Kansas State. Uh, Appalachian State at Texas A&M. Any thoughts quickly on those three games that stand out to you? I mean, they they don't rile me up in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, wait. Missouri covers the spread against Kansas State. I think that Texas A&M, 18.5 over App State, I don't see them doing that. I see Texas a their defense is just suspect to me. Right. Or their quarterback couldn't, like, it was that first half of that game last week before the three-hour delay. It was rough. Quarterback play for AM was rough. I mean, not good. Um, Samford at Georgia, and I'm looking at ESPN.com. This pretty much tells you all you need to know. They don't have any pictures of the Samford players. There is no line since it's a Division II. And, yes, I know they don't use that term anymore, but I do. Division II opponent. So there's no line. Georgia's going to win that game comfortably. Uh, yes. Kentucky at Florida, if other than you could argue that either uh, Tennessee Pitt or Kentucky at Florida is the best matchup of the week out of the SEC. Um, your thoughts on Kentucky at Florida? So Kentucky's a five and a half point favorite. <clears throat> Not sorry, Florida's five and a half point favorite in this game. Swamp is a terrible place to play. I don't think you Utah is as good as as people thought that they were. And Kentucky had a, or Florida had a lot of questions on defense, especially their defensive line. So I feel like Kentucky may be able to go in there and take advantage of that. I would have Kentucky upsetting Florida. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm the absolutely the first to tell you that I don't pick games well. Okay. But I do have usually about one or two games I feel really strongly on that I am pretty good at. And I, I just feel like Kentucky's going to pull the upset too. Um, and I'm not sure how much of an upset it is. Florida's six and a half at home, but yeah, five know, and a half, five and a half, six and a half, whatever the case may be. But I'm not sure it's even that big of an upset. I, um, I don't know what to really make of that Florida Utah game. Uh, I do think that uh, obviously um, Antonio Richardson is fantastic quarterback with uh, incredible days ahead of him, but I could see him getting frustrated by Kentucky's penchant to keep the ball away from him and run the football. Um, I think that's a real possibility. Central Arkansas at Ole Miss. Okay. No line for that. Lane Kiffin's going to try to hang 80 on them. San Jose state at Auburn, um, Auburn, a 24 point favorite. If you want to weigh in on these, stop me. Um, uh, Southern, at LSU, no line. Surely LSU will bounce back. I have, so I have Southern. I have LSU at 47 and a half favorite. Oh. And I have Auburn at 23 and a half favorite. And I have 
Ole Miss at 34 and a half favorite over Central Arkansas. So uh, do you are any strong feelings on any of those games that might be in your picks tomorrow and off Doug sports? So I think I'm going to take San Jose, San Jose state with the points at plus 23 and a half on that. Mississippi state at Arizona. I wonder who scheduled that game uh, state uh, 10 and a half point favorite, according to the line that I'm seeing. And um, I'm not going to pretend to know a, a terrible lot about Arizona. If you, if you want to, Share your pick, go for it. I, I haven't seen Arizona this year. I'm sure I will at some point. A, a late night watching Pac-12 football that's about to be Pac-4 football. But um, uh, if you have any strong feelings on that, shoot. I would take – honestly, I just think Mississippi State's struggling. I mean, I think they're on the struggle bus. I'm going to take Arizona with the points. Not to upset. I think Mississippi State will pull that out, but Arizona with the points. Benjamin must be a, a huge gambler. He's got he's got all the picks there on our message board. So Kentucky by eight. Uh, LSU will cover that number. He's got the pick over Georgia, sixty-five to three. So he is rolling. I'm saying with him on Georgia. Yes. No, he's he's absolutely rolling. So, um, and then. We'll go ahead and uh, pick the uh, Tennessee pit game and we'll, we'll give our score uh, now. And uh, as far as Tennessee, I believe that this team is markedly better, not necessarily than last year, not because necessarily of talent, not necessarily because of um, – Anything else other than this team is poised because they feel comfortable. They had enough success last year. Probably very blessed that uh, – don't mean this sound mean – that uh, Joe Milton last year got hurt and Hendon Hooker stepped in, so they had success for the rest of the year. I think they believed in the offseason. It's funny how a little bit of success can change your outlook on life. And I just – again, I, I feel this – this is, I just feel this confidence. Part of that's from our interviews, and they haven't told me off the record that uh, they're going to go up and beat Pitt or anything, but our interviews that will air Sunday on Off the Hook Sports and our YouTube channel with Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren, I just feel this innate confidence when I speak to them. And I, I think there's something to that. And I think I'm pretty good at reading people. Um, and at the end of the day, this, this offense showed me enough in terms of poise where I think they're ready to take another step. So I think this is a significantly better Tennessee team, but I think it's a pit team that took a step back from a year ago because obviously you have a first round pick and a Fred Bolitnikoff winner that are no longer there. You have a new offensive system. Tennessee had a new offensive system last year. It's tough to implement that in a year. So uh, my pick before we get to message board bingo would be I think Tennessee wins this game and has circles and actually it wins big. And Amanda, you know me well enough to know I don't play the Homer role, but we had somebody else from from Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh, and they were on our message boards and you guys just think that Tennessee's gonna roll Florida or, or roll Pitt. And yeah, I do. Yeah. I really do. I mean and I know, I bet that's not because anybody 
is rooting for Tennessee. That's just yeah. analytics. Like, sorry. I mean, I like I like Tennessee along the lines of uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go forty. I think they cover and cover fairly easily. I will say thirty-seven to twenty-four. Um, thirty-four twenty-four was mine. Creepy. I've been covering. <laughs> We spend too much time together. Um, all right. It is it is time for message board bingo. We've already got some winners from yesterday. You will receive your shirts shortly. So if you can beat me a message board bingo, then we will hook you up with a shirt. How about that? That is pretty sweet. Message board bingo. So Amanda LaFrada will read out the school and we're gonna have to run through this but she'll read the message board post and then i've got to figure out the school and i'm horrible at it hit it amanda all right so i have four today and three of them are sec schools so i'll start with those so they're talking about the a game coming up and it said, it's 10 a.m. for them. Eastern time zone teams may struggle a bit, even though it's only an hour back. Guys up at what would normally be five as opposed to six. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that would be a Texas poster. No, that's Arkansas. Al- Al- my bad. Alabama's also in the central time zone. Yeah, that's Arkansas who cannot do time zones. Because the game is not at 10. It is at noon. Eastern time. Right. 11 central time. You know what's funny is when I've had to go to California, like the three-hour time difference, I can just do it in my head, and I can say 10 and 7, and it's just simple. But the one hour always throws me off. Apparently you and this Arkansas fan. Yeah, we're the two idiots that can't figure out an hour. He's like, it's 10 a.m. there. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, sweetheart. No, it's not. All right, here we go. What do we got? Message for bingo. I'm 0 one. All right. So maybe this will sound dumb. Wait, that's not the right one. Okay, I'm sorry. This is not this is not a uh, SEC school. It's an SEC game, but it's not an SEC school. Maybe this will sound dumb, but in my experience, people that are willing to go to the edges with their appearance generally don't feel pressure slash expectations the same way normal folks do. I think he'll be fine playing a really good team, and frankly, he's got so little to lose. Just go sling it and do your best. I'm going to go with Texas again. and uh, uh, Yours, did I get it? Yeah, yeah. This might be my favorite analysis I've ever seen on this sub. Mullet power forever. So I'm one and one. I feel good about that. Yeah. Good, good, good there we you. go. All right. The message board bingo rolls on, and you guys got to get up there quicker now because I'm suddenly decent at this game. All right. Here we go. I was told that Texas and Oklahoma will never play a game in the SEC because there's some behind-the-scenes work to have a football-only league that has 36 of the major teams agreed to join in this within the next two years. They would break away from the NCAA and would be football only. The catch is that all of the teams would agree to basically set a salary cap of 30 to 50 million for NIL, and each team would be capped at that to level the playing field with the new NIL challenges. Would make sense as to why Texas and Oklahoma haven't already paid the 80 million penalty fee to have already joined the SEC this year. 
Ouch. That's a tough one. That's a lot. I gotta I gotta get a hint. I told you it's SEC school, that's all the hint you get. You don't get more hints. Okay. I will go with South Carolina. Texas A M. <laughs> Who would be a part of like a Texas Oklahoma conversation? I, I know. I, I was lost and confused on that one. Uh all right. So again, last Daniel, one. Daniel guess oh, I'm not going anywhere. Daniel guessed Missouri. Uh so it wasn't Missouri. All right, so we got one more message board bingo. And now again, non-SEC school. Apparently, there was a breakout at, of COVID at a game last weekend. Said, yep, wife and I both sick. First time for me also. Don't love it. Sacrifices have to be made to yell the team to victory. I don't know where the breakout in COVID was. You didn't give me a lot of insight. That's your fault. Uh, well... When I think of people getting sick, I think of Florida. So I'm going to go. Everybody I know that has gone to Florida over the past few weeks came back with COVID. And even my son like two months ago. So I will go Florida. It was actually Florida State. <laughs> going, going to Baton Rouge and or New Orleans. I think it was in New Orleans. And I came back from New Orleans in 2018 after watching Alabama Clemson play. Almost, like, seriously, three days after, I felt like I was dead. It was the 2018 flu strain B. That thing almost killed me. COVID had nothing on that thing. Ooh, Lord, that was terrible. An LSU story. I'm not sure if I should share. Sounds weird. Uh, The Mattress Place uh, brings you message board bingo. 22 years on Chapman Highway Marine Corps, better known, A-plus accredited member of the Better Business Bureau, over 225 Five-star reviews on Google, a huge selection of mattresses, and no gimmicks, just 30 to 70% off every day. So they're on Chapman Highway, which you may think sounds like it's far away, but it's not. It's just a couple of miles away from downtown and campus, and um, it's just fantastic prices and everything, and people that you know you can trust. So uh, this day in sports history, uh, Amanda LaFrada, where are we going with that? Because... I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I peak in my insomnia, and um, I'm I'm interested to see which direction you go. So this day in sports history. I mean, I thought you were. I thought you you also did this, but apparently not. Um, I I guess I'm the sole sports history person. So I'm going this day in sports history. One of the most infamous. Uh, Things that ever happened in his career at college, Baker Mayfield. Oh, okay. Baker Mayfield on this day in sports history planted the flag, Oklahoma flag, in the middle of the shoe after beating Ohio State this day in sports history. Wow. Yeah. Um, what did Baker it Mayfield, uh, that. I think I just bumped my camera there. My apologies. Uh, Baker Mayfield was a lot of fun to watch. Do I want him running my team? Not necessarily. Um, he has but- no discipline. That's the problem. That's the problem with all of those 
those quarterbacks like that that can't stop doing things to draw attention to themselves. They have no discipline. <laughs> get it, get it around your head. Stop. Yeah, it's still the funniest <clears throat> ever video that I've ever seen is him trying to run away from the cops when he got his DUI. Have you seen that video? You would no. think you would think a division one athlete would be able to get further away. He literally got like a step and a half when the guy just tackled him. Uh wasn't a wasn't a great look. Pedigo Chattanooga locally owned store where you'll be treated like family, the region's foremost uh, electric bike experts. They put their hearts into helping you find the perfect electric bike and get the most out of it. So uh, that is Pedigo Chattanooga. You'll absolutely love them. And, you know, I know it's the weekend, too. So if you're in the Knoxville area and you want to check out a great selection of vehicles uh, with people that have integrity, that's files automotive group on callahan drive kick some tires before the game i always like getting out and doing something i'm not the guy that sits and stares at college game day for three hours but i do like listening to the coverage and then um we will have just an incredible lineup so if you have if you have not set your notifications on click the subscribe button click the like button and be sure and set your notifications on because Saturday we're going to roll out a series of what we've done throughout the week to preview the game. So I know a lot of people out there put college game day on just because it's on, but would really like to hear more Tennessee talk. We can take care of that for you and we will do so. So have a fantastic weekend, everyone. I think Tennessee wins big. Uh, we'll be on with you after the game. For Amanda LaFrada, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.